what I'd like to do here this morning is draw our attention in uh, really getting rightly focused for Thanksgiving. And that's a, that's a, a catchy title, don't you think? You don't? A what? It's, it's in your sermon outline. <laughs> Actually, um, on the surface, it's, it's nothing much. Just saying rightly focused for Thanksgiving, but there's a reason behind it. And, uh, you know, millions, millions in our country are eagerly anticipating Thanksgiving weekend and really millions of people now in this day and age identify Thanksgiving with the, the four F's. Family, oh, sorry, wrong, food. Then family, oh, come on, that's the pinky. Family, that's next. Friends, there you go, and football. Why is that funny? Because we all know that it's like football, you know, Football, 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 all over the place. And uh, I'm here to say that um, it's absolutely imperative. If you're saying, if, if you're a Christian, you're saying, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, it's absolutely imperative that we understand that it's not just about a day or a weekend, but a lifestyle. And that's our problem. A lot of times we're having problems in life because we don't, Give thanks. Continue to give thanks. If we would learn what this passage that we're, we're going to be into this morning, if we'd learn what's behind it and what's underneath it and what's driving it, we'd be a people that would be thanking God more consistently on a regular basis. And um, that's, that's an important issue for us. That we would be a people full of praise and full of thanks to God. You know, I, just stop and think for a minute with me. Put yourself in the, behind the driver's wheel. No GPS systems, okay? You can't use a GPS here on this. And all of a sudden, you're behind the wheel and you're in the financial district of San Francisco, downtown San Francisco, at rush hour traffic. Being from Fallon, you're longing for home, number one. You don't want to be there in that traffic. And it's just like, the only thing you can do is like, just don't talk to me now, and got the white knuckles and everything. And, you know, how many times you about turned down the wrong way on the one way, and all those things. And most of you know that feeling and it's a rush of the wrong stuff in your life. You don't want to be there. You know, we are so strongly locked into the idea that Thanksgiving is this, and it becomes a crowd of, and a, and a mess of stuff in our minds that we can't see where we're really going. And that's, it's amazing. I, I, I don't know, maybe you thought of this before. I just thought of it this morning. And it's this, the very day 
that is dedicated to saying this is a day of thanksgiving to God and for all the things that we enjoy and for our country and all these things. And the, the very next day is the total opposite. It's the total opposite. It's saying you don't have enough. Go, go back to Walmart or whatever or Target, whatever person you are, and go buy and, and start it at 4.30 in the morning on Black Friday. And what do we figure will happen in the lives of people that don't know God? They keep on giving thanks on a very horizontal plane. And they can say the general thing. Oh, I'm thankful for, you know, I'm thankful for my country. Or I'm thankful for this. Uh, I'm thankful for the service men and women. And that's nice. That's good. And, rare, and maybe God gets, you know, thrown into the mix. Maybe. But it's about, it's about horizontal stuff. It's not about vertical stuff at all. And so it's important that we um, get a bit stretched and shaken up here about it because we ought to. We ought to, we ought to be concerned about it and what, you know, what our friends or our neighbors or our loved ones are thinking about this. And, and then how do I really respond? How do you really respond as we build this, this season up? And it was kind of odd, you know, I, I went uh, with Michael Parrish to Reno yesterday to see Dale McCarter, and then we decided to, you know, go check out Shields, and, and you know, you, I say, what, what's that music going on? It's Christmas music, you've probably heard it. It's like, it's not even Thanksgiving, they're probably doing it before Halloween, what's the deal? You know, and what is it doing? It's, it's pulling at your heart. Because it's Christmas time and you need to buy gifts. Buy. You need to buy. You need to buy. And that's what we get caught up with. So much of, of our life is, is just feeling like it, it's, a, it's a traffic jam of, of consumerism and materialism. And we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's a familiar phrase, but we've got to fix our eyes of faith on Jesus. And so, uh, we are not just, it's not just about a day or a weekend and we get time off, except if you're in retail. Uh, it's, it's about a life of thanksgiving, a lifestyle of giving thanks to God. And here in Psalm 136, we see the pattern that God gives us. And it's, it's incredible what God's Word is like. Here in Psalm 136, there's 26 verses, and it, it, it kind of grabs a whole bunch of things and puts it together. It grabs a whole bunch of historical issues. And so we want to look at Psalm 136. There is an outline in your bulletin. If you'd like to follow along, I'd encourage you to do that. And through looking at Psalm 136 and obviously many, many other passages, we discover or we're reminded of what drives our thanksgiving. And again, it's not about a day. It's about a lifestyle. What drives thanksgiving in my life as a lifestyle, a way to live? So number one, there's five points, five focal points to help us being rightly focused on 
a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Now, the first one and the last one are going to serve as critical um, focal points for us. It's, it, they're like, uh, you know, they really help us zero in. If you're looking, if we're thinking of that idea of looking, it's the, the first one and the last one are really going to help us focus in on what God wants. So, here we go. The first one is to focus on who he is, simply stated. Psalm 136, look at verse 1 through 3 to start with. Verses 1 through 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. This is where true thanksgiving all starts. Thankfulness to God for who he is. And we are readers, as the readers, are called three times to give thanks. Didn't I hear something about three times when Brennan spoke? You remember hearing about that? Saying, here's God, and he is what? Holy, holy, holy. And here's another little thing about being called. If you're a believer, you are called to give thanks to God. Here's these three times. And in specific, it's because he is good. Underline that or mark it down. Because he is good. And what do you hear going on in the news? What do you hear from people when things go wrong? They start questioning God. We start questioning God. Now, is God big enough to handle our questions? Yep. He is. But before we, you know, start throwing out these questions of accusation, we better be in the book, be in the Word of God to know what He says has already been said. And in a sense, time and time again, he can say back to me or you, hey, I already told you that. It's in the Word. It's there. Okay? And yes, I don't always get this, you know, saying, I'm going to give thanks because he is good when all this is happening, whatever's going on. I was, I was there... Thursday morning at Dale McCarter's house. He wasn't answering the door. I figured he's sleeping or he's in the shower or something. And I, I waited there and, and went home, got ready for coming to the office, went back to his house and recognized, you know what, this is not right. Called the sheriff and we finally got the neighbor to open up the door and there he is lying on the ground. And I didn't want to go in. I didn't want to go in the house. I didn't want to go in the room. All that stuff. Why? Because it's, you know, it's still fresh. And you know where my mind started going? You know, I started thinking the worst. He's dead. Or this, or what I, you know. And my mind started going all over the place. And we come back to, you know, through the difficulties. And Christian, can you come back through the difficulties to continue saying, give thanks to the Lord because He is good. See, it's about getting to know Him better. And if we're 
turning around and questioning him, that a lot of times it comes back to, do we really know what he's like, really? And the Bible's saying us, it's not just because he's good, verse 2, because he's supreme. He's the supreme one. He's the God of gods. And there we get that little word that we're familiar with, Elohim. He's, he's the supreme one. He's the almighty one. Verse 3. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for... Um, oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Saying he's the, he's the ruler. He's, the, he's the, the master. He's the owner. He's the Lord. Adonai. And so we give thanks to him first of all because of who he is and what we understand of his character, of his heart, of his attributes. And all too often, we've been brought up on the idea that God's our servant and he does whatever we call him to do. How foolish. So, the idea is that we come to know God, not just say, I'm saved. And by the way, do you know that you're saved? And do you know when you die that you'll go to heaven? Do you know that in the depths of your heart? If you don't, you need to get made right with Jesus Christ. You need to come to faith in Jesus Christ and be reconciled because of faith in Christ, reconciled to God as your, now your, your Father. Don't put that off. The thing that gets in the way is your pride, not what other Christians have done. That's a, if, if other Christians haven't been a good testimony, that is a problem. But you still have to answer to God, no matter what other Christians do or don't do. No matter what your father or mother did to you as a young child. No matter. It still comes back to you. What are you going to do when God says, what have you done with Jesus? And so it comes back to not just being saved, but then knowing Him, learning about Him in the Word of God, coming to know Him and understanding more of who He is. When you do that, that will go a long way through all the trials and difficulties of life. Why? Because you're not holding on to a little anchor in the storms of life. You've got a monstrous anchor for the soul. It's Jesus. And the more we listen to the world... And the, the things on the, in the media and all, the more we're going to have, yeah, we're going to have troubles in dealing with the tests of life and the difficulties of life. Guaranteed. And my friend, if you're a Christian, I don't want you struggling that way. Because there will be tests, there will be difficulties. Count on that. Encourage your heart to spend time in the Word, to get to know God better. You know, I, I know, in my own life, the, you know, I went to Bible college and had a Bible degree. And getting out and getting into a church in Southern California, it's like, you know, well, I know that. You know, that little voice in the back of your mind is, oh, I know that. And that was one of the worst things I could be listening to. Because it, it, it does not encourage increased study, increased knowledge. It's like you're going on your experience. That's wrong to go on your experience. It's better to go on the facts of God's Word and plug your faith into that. 
experience is fine, wonderful, I'm glad you had the experience kind of thing, but don't be thinking that you're going to grow in Christ-likeness or to grow in knowledge of God if you're just basing it on your experience. So, number one is, get focused on who He is. Number two, we move on in the passage in Psalm 136. We focus on His wonders in creation. His wonders in creation. Look at verse 4 through 9. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who by wisdom made the heavens, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who laid out the earth above the waters, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who made the great lights, for His mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, His mercies endure forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night, for His mercy endures forever. There is no one like our God. He is the Creator. And the more you will tell yourself that and acknowledge Him as so, the better off we will be. This is not an accident. You are not an accident. God's the creator. He's the sovereign, almighty creator. I want you to mark these references down, and we'll look at one of them. Isaiah 40, verse 18 through 20. You can turn there in your Bible. Isaiah 40, 18 through 28. And there's other amazing passages in this likeness in Isaiah. But Isaiah 40, verse 18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to Him? The workman molds a graven image. The goldsmith overspreads it with gold. The silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. That's what the the world does. Sets up their own gods. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from, from the foundations of the earth? It is He who sits above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in? He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth. When he will also blow on them, they will wither. The the whirlwind will take take them away like stubble. And here's the question again. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of His might and the strength of His power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. There is no searching of His understanding. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. 
and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you have a high and exalted view of God? Spend time in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Other references. Isaiah 42, 5 and 6. Isaiah 45. Expand your thinking about who God is. And look at what the scriptures say about Him. He's awesome. He's the Creator. And all too often, we've got this little microchip view of God. Well, just listen. You you can uh, mark this reference down also. Psalm 146. We're not going to look there, but just listen to it. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord God who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. Happy is he. Okay? Acknowledging God as creator leads to confidence in him. Okay? To him who by wisdom made the heavens. That, that's the next verse in this passage in verse 5. To him who by wisdom made the heavens. Mark down, uh, reference Proverbs 8, 22 and Proverbs 8, 27. References that talk about God dealing in wisdom and making the earth and speaking it forth. God did it in wisdom. What does the world say? Oh, it just evolved. Or it just was the big explosion and poof, there it is. And here we are. Ha. Wrong. Okay. So, it's on his wonders. And many of you, many of you, you know it. You, you get out, uh, some of you guys that go hunting or your families go camping. And even those who live in Fallon, America. You can look up in the sky at night and see mucho, mucho, mucho stars. And that's God's creation. That's God's handiwork. And when you see something that's beautiful, you remember what? There's God's fingerprints. Right? So, we focus on who He is and on the wonders in creation. Number three, on his work of redemption. On his work of redemption. Okay? This is what the Israelites were to bring to mind and to remember the historical work of God in delivering the people of Israel. Now that was, they, they were in bondage. He delivered them out of bondage. And that's in a physical way of deliverance. And folks, you know, most of you know, that's a picture of and a preparation for the great deliverance in Jesus. Got it? And we see that. The deliverance of Israel out of bondage in Egypt came about due to... What's this been saying all along in this passage? What has it been saying? It's due to His mercy. It's due to his mercy. And along, not just their deliverance out of Egypt, which they were told, observe the Passover. Remember the Passover. 
is always to remind them of this deliverance. And then along with that, their entrance into the promised land, verses 17 through 22, the way God gave them victory. The way that God gave them victory. Remember when they tried to do it in their own strength and their own power? They failed. They failed. And folks, listen, this is critical. Here in Psalms, it brings up this issue of, here's the record of what happened. It's summarized. And we can know about it summarized, but we can know about it in detail so that our minds will be drawn to the power of God and His mercy to His people. That keeps popping up in this psalm. His mercies endure forever. Okay? So, this was the work of God in history. What he mentions here in verses 10 through 22. The the work of God in history to show His saving power. And now everything, you know, and this again, it points to the one key event in all of history. And that is Jesus coming to die for sinful mankind. That He would come... And go to the cross and deliver us from the bondage of sin. I come back to this issue again, my friend. If you're here and you've not come to faith in Christ, you're still under your own judgment. God's judgment. I'm sorry. You're under God's judgment for your sin. You've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with it. Coming to church doesn't save you. Having a Bible doesn't save you. Bowing before Jesus Christ and calling about, calling out to Him to be Lord and Master of your life. There you go. Bingo. Repentance and faith. Two sides of the same coin. Repentance and faith in Jesus. That's what brings about salvation. And the picture was there in the Old Testament. He's saying it here. He's given the summary of it. What did the people in Egypt have to do that wanted to be delivered? Put the blood on the doorposts. The blood was applied. And until the blood is applied in your heart and life, you're not going to escape judgment. And yes, judgment will come because God is God. And He's... What have we been seeing here in this passage? His mercy endures forever. So, His work of... We focus on the work of redemption. And what that translates for us is, Christian, you need to focus on what the gospel is. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? It goes much farther and much deeper than just saying, oh, just accept Christ. And He'll make everything wonderful. That's, that's got some truth in it, but that's not really what we need to be proclaiming. What we need to proclaim is that Christ died for your sins. You need to acknowledge your sins before a holy God. Admit it. Call out to Him as your Lord and Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you following with me here? having a rightly focused thanksgiving, goes through this pathway. Who He is on His wonders of creation. Again, how great He is as Creator. And three, on His work of redemption. He's the Deliverer. He's the Savior. And number four, on the wealth of, 
on his wealth of care and provision. This is amazing. On his wealth of care and provision. Look at verse 23. If you don't, you know, you're going to miss out. You've got to look at it here. Verse 23. Now, I recognize we, we skipped quickly over the, the main, that uh, big passage in verses 10 through 22. But the, basically, that's a summary of the history of God's redemptive work to Israel. Okay? Now, in verse, here in verse 23, he's, look at what he says. Who, that's God, who remembered us in our lowly state for his mercy endures forever and rescued us from our enemies for his mercy endures forever who gives food to all flesh for his mercy endures forever. Here's the the focus that we're called to have on the wealth of God's care and provision for his people. He remembered us in our lowly state. Listen, that's our status before God. It's not an exalted one. It's not how cool and how good you are. Actually, God sees you and me as in need of salvation. And we're, you know, it's the idea of being desperate. But because the, the conditioning of the world, everyone thinks, oh, we're all going to heaven. Isn't that neat? It's sad. What's come of the, the, ma- the thinking of the masses? That, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're a Buddhist, that's, oh, that's okay. You know, I, I respect you for your beliefs. Well, yeah, we respect people, but we need to come forth with the truth in a loving way. Speak the truth in love. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes unto the Father but by me, he was being very intolerant of people. Very exclusive, right? Hey, come on. Think about it. He basically wiped out every other idea of religion in that one statement. The things that Jesus said are radical. And if we've got, if you and I have a a picture of Jesus that's just nice and soft and oh, how wonderful, and we all run to hug Jesus and he puts his arms around us, that's... You know, that's a humanized look at Jesus. We need to let the, the, the Scripture speak to our hearts about who Jesus is. Yes, He wants the children to come to Him. Yes, you know, permit them not to, you know, permit them to come, right? And He had compassion on the multitudes. But let the Scripture speak to our hearts. He remembered us in our lowly state. He rescued us from our enemies. And listen, until you are rescued from your enemy, you are and you continue to be held prisoner in the kingdom of darkness. And you can be a wonderful contributing citizen of this community, but you can still be a prisoner of the kingdom of darkness. And you need to make sure that you've been set free. Have you been set free from the bondage of sin? 
And then thirdly, uh, and by the way, Colossians 1.13, mark it down if you want. Colossians 1.13, then verse 25, he says, who gives food to all flesh. He gives food to all flesh. Here's the, here's the, the provision of uh, Almighty God in a, in a, just such a, a good benefit, beneficial way to people. And yes, so this Thursday, you sit down to your meal, to your food, and you give thanks to the one who fed you. Amen? Yeah? And you give thanks to him. But don't stop with that. See, that's where everyone says, oh, well, we better thank the Lord for our food now, okay? And give the little squeeze in the hands, and yes, we're good. But what about the rest of your life? Are you looking to give God thanks? Okay. Mark these references down for this idea of He gives food to all flesh. Matthew six twenty five through thirty four. Do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat?" or "What shall we drink?" or "What shall we wear?" You know, here God's the one that provides. We got to. You know, we need to be getting more and more used to that idea than the fact that I go on Black Friday and buy a, a bunch of bargains. Am I, am I giving God thanks when I can purchase something that I don't want, but I truly need, or I can give it to somebody else? You know, those kind of things. Again, we are a, a, an incredibly rich people here in, in United States of America. By the way, we want to aim to in the springtime, have another uh, kind of a fundraiser, soul for soul. Have you heard of that? Uh, bringing shoes in and distributing them back to the organization that will pass the shoes out. We want to try and do that in the springtime. Well, number five. Here we go. Number five. Getting rightly focused for Thanksgiving is focusing on His worth throughout all eternity. See how I said number one and number five relate and, and, and provide the big support to it all because it's about God. And it, it winds up in this passage with this last verse, verse 26. What does it say? Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever. And so it, it, it culminates with this idea of the God of heaven. What do you think? Listen. What do you think of when you think of heaven? And most people, what they think about, well, I'll get to see my loved ones there. That's good. That's, that's true. Get to see my loved ones there. Um, there's no more sickness. No more pain. Amen? No more sin. No more. Did you hear that? No more sin. No more Satan. But you know what we still missed out? We still missed out on the, the whole idea of heaven is Jesus. See, that's where our mind goes. Our mind goes to, it's more about, I get to see my loved ones. Or, or it's no more sin. It's about, you know, no more sickness. It's all back to me. Why don't we, when we think of heaven, why don't we think of Jesus first? And 
I know, because I've thought it, and I, I, probably you've thought it too. You know, you get to think about heaven, eternity, everlasting, nonstop. And you go, doesn't that get boring after a little bit? Well, yeah, if there's no Jesus. And another pastor has asked the question, would you be happy in, in heaven if there's no Jesus? I'll say it again. Would you be happy in heaven if there's no Jesus? And that's the... Here's, again, here's an example of how we get to thinking. And, oh, oh, yeah, it's about Jesus. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Why did we forget? Why did I forget? Why did you forget? Because our minds are too much on myself and this earth, and this life. And see... He's saying, oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. He didn't repeat what he said earlier, the God of gods. He said the God of heaven. Jesus. Jesus will be there, scars and all, to be forever worshipped. Serving him, loving him, and who knows what else. And you know what? You say, but Woody, didn't you skip out on this... Repetition here? Psalm 136? Yeah, I did. I saved it for last. What does it say? In between every verse. What does it say? And His mercy endures forever. And see, the story of my life ought to be more in line with this. The story of your life ought to be more in line with Psalm 136, where every other statement, you're saying the same thing. His mercy endures forever because He had mercy on your soul through Christ. Do you get that? It's not because we were born in America. It's not because you attend a good church or a regular whatever. In a, on a regular basis, you attend church. It's not because of anything but Jesus and His shed blood on your behalf. Don't ever forget that. That's what we need to magnify is the mercy of God towards me, a sinner. I get too much like the, you know, the thing of the Pharisees that we see in the Gospels. You do too. We tend to be like that. We need to magnify the mercy of Jesus Christ toward the mercy of God in Christ, in our lives. That last little line on your outline. Thanking God for this amazing tapestry of mercy recorded in Psalm 136 and witnessed throughout all of life. That's the idea. Here's the tapestry of mercy being woven through it all. God withholding His judgment so that we would come to Christ and praise Him and give Him glory in our lives. Folks, that's the point of Psalm 136. It's throughout all of life. It didn't just say it here, that His mercy endures forever, just on the part about God. It, it said it here throughout His work of redemption. And that affects you and I. 
A person needs to be giving thanks to God for His mercy. But if you're not familiar with His Word, with the account of the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with it, you'll be left wanting and you'll be left void of understanding in times of difficulty. I said that earlier, and it's important to say it again as we wrap this up. So, if your list of what you're thankful for, you know, sometimes you go around the table with the food, and you say, so what are you thankful for, Jimmy? And Julie, what are you thankful for? And they, you know, give their answers. Well, if your list is short on saying, here's what I want to thank God for, let me just say, bulk it up. All right? How do you bulk it up? Get in the Word and and learn more about God and then turn it around as a prayer of thanksgiving. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 45. Read those and turn it around and give Him thanks. He is a mighty, awesome God. And He has shown mercy to His people. Okay? You know, if you... um, If you're not careful... Before you know it, grumbling and attitudes pop in. And I tell you, when, when I grumble or complain, or when you grumble or complain, all of a sudden, the, the attitude of gratitude is out and gone. Right? Stephen Cole, a minister and author, wrote this. Let me quote this to you, and then we're going to wrap it up and, and stand up here in a second. Stephen Cole said this, To give thanks to God in the midst of difficult trials, you must submit to His sovereignty. You must acknowledge that He has orchestrated your circumstances for your ultimate good and submit to Him as good and loving in His dealings with you. If you find yourself grumbling about your trials, it's an indication that you have not submitted fully to the God of heaven. Think about it. Why is this phrase in Psalm 136 mentioned 26 times? 26 times. (laughs) One good reason is due to my wandering mind, your wandering mind, Another good reason is that the enemy wants you to doubt the goodness of God. What did Satan do in the garden? Well, God must not be good. He's throwing doubt on who God is. So it's imperative that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Now, if, let's say, you came to find um, and discover that you struck oil in the back of your property at home. Can you imagine that? You struck oil here in Fallon, America. Well, yeah, you'd be rich. You'd be overjoyed, I would think. Uh, it's like we say, you'd be set for life, man. You got it. All right. But into that, will you also think about, are you set for eternity? Are you set for eternity? See, if you discovered oil or you found a gold mine, those kind of things, and you're thinking, wow, isn't this great? I'm set for life. I want you to think, wait a minute, there's eternity. Life is a blimp, a, a, a blink, a blimp. It's a blink on the screen. Life is, 
it's just like this for 80 years. If you get 80, and eternity is, there it is, eternity. No beginning, no end. Are you set for eternity? And see, if you discover the mercy of God, you're going to be much better off than the guy that's discovered the oil well or the, the oil strike or whatever, oil boom. You're going to be much, much better off knowing that God has been merciful to you in Jesus Christ.